0: You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message, and welcome to the tribe. Now, here's Lee Wong. Hello to everyone here in the Cameo Theater. Hello to everyone joining us digitally and via podcast. As Pastor Doug said, my name is Lee. And quick addendum to our announcements before we get going with our conversation today. It is not too late for you to bring non perishable foods and household items and hygiene products, feminine hygiene products, as we are collecting all of that stuff to fill a local food pantry for families who've been hit by the pandemic. So we're going to be here until 2.30 today. Our motorcycle tribe is collecting all of that stuff. You don't even have to stop. You can just drive by, maybe throw it out. I'm just kidding. Don't throw it out the window. But come on by, bring non-perishable foods, families hit hard by the pandemic. That is what characterizes our heart as a tribe. We are a generous tribe. Now, on the note of a generous tribe, for those of you who call City Tribe home, let me just remind you really quickly, before you shut off the browser, close out the browser, before you leave the Cameo Theater, be sure to sow a seed here in the kingdom movement. Give financially to this faith community. We are a not-for-profit faith community that that depends on your generosity to be able to continue to share the message of Jesus. So before you go, you can give in one of four ways, via snail mail, mail, uh, physical mail, online, via text, or here in person, just find one of the giving stations, and we thank you in advance for sowing a seed in the kingdom movement. Now today, we are continuing with the prayer theme our lead pastor Doug kicked the year off with, and in addition to continuing that prayer theme... We are sort of picking back up, or I personally am picking back up in conversations where I've left off with you guys, for example, in the Better Recognized series and the Gift and Giver series. What we're going to discuss today, I feel, is part of one long journey together and one ongoing conversation for us to together know God more intimately. And in just a moment, we are going to jump into the scriptures about prayer. But before we do, let me just give you guys a little background context to this series. So several years ago, if you were to have said to me, Lee, I'm having some friends over at my place and we're just going to gather together for a time of prayer, a sweet time of prayer. I Probably would have pegged you as somebody who was more of like a howdly doodly neighborino Ned Flanders kind of person. And, you know, not externally, but internally, I probably would have put on that Michael Scott grimace face, like, "Oh man, I'm gonna do everything I can to get out of this request here. Because, I mean, let's be real, who wants to go to a boring prayer meeting, right? And the idea of prayer, it really just did not excite me. Now, besides that, I probably felt at that time that my prayer life was perfectly fine. I prayed before tests after I hadn't really studied. I prayed before interviews, and I prayed anytime I did something that I didn't want people to find out about, and I, of course, always prayed every single time I hit traffic, and then the Taco Bell hit, right? That turns anybody into a praying person, like, Lord, please part the seas, move the mountains, whatever you got to do. But then, now here's where my views of prayer actually began to change. My siblings, my brother and his family, my sister, her family, they started cranking out children like factories left and right. And you know, I had a whole bunch of nieces and nephews and them growing up out of state, apart from me, I wanted them to know that their uncle Lee loved them nevertheless. And so I thought, okay, you know what, let me just write down individualized prayers for them. So that's something that they can keep, they can read, you know, and they can know that their uncle Lee loves them. But then I thought to myself, well, I probably, and this is how my brain works. I was like, I probably shouldn't assume that they know what prayer means and why prayer even matters. So I should probably first start with a letter as to why they should pray and what prayer is. And so that sent me on this journey, an investigation in the scriptures to look at every instance that prayer is referenced. And as I pulled on that thread of prayer in the scriptures, the more that I did that, the more I realized, whoa, I completely got prayer wrong. Like I understand prayer so incorrectly. And so Today, I'm gonna share with you in the scripture some of what helped me realize why I misunderstood prayer. Now, some of you guys, like, you're way far along in your faith journey and you've been taught really, really well. But what I learned since then has not only changed how I view prayer and why I believe we need prayer, but it's changed how I actually practice it. And so, man, I really, really want you guys to at least have an uh, open mind to see another perspective. Of this, And, you know, maybe you'll tweak some of what you already understand. Maybe for some of you, you'll just enhance your prayer life. But today is more of like the evolution of that love letter to my nieces and nephews. So technically, this is my love letter to you guys as well. And my hope is, based on what we will explore today, by the time we finish, you'll say, man, you know what I saw and what I heard about how prayer is portrayed in the scriptures? I want that. I want to experience that. That is my hope for all of us. And because there is no other New Testament author who wrote more about prayer than a man named Luke, we're going to spend the majority of our time today in what Luke recorded about Jesus's life. So for those of you who plan to highlight and write in your Bibles, if you want to follow along and make notes or whatever, open your Bibles, locate the section titled The Gospel of Luke. And before we dive in, would you just join me in asking God by His Spirit to help us learn today? Heavenly Father, we submit this time to you. We ask that by the power of your Spirit, you would drown out whatever distractions might be causing our mind to race and lose focus. Help us be centered and still and focused on. Uh, what your scriptures teach and what you want us to know. And so Lord, speak to us that we might know you better, that we might be transformed and experience the life you created us to experience. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what did Luke record that paints a clearer picture of what prayer is all about? And what would your life look like? And what would my life look like if we had a different or a correct understanding of prayer. Now, to help us see that picture that has been painted for us in the scriptures, it helps to understand how prayer was once Viewed. And so I'm going to give you guys uh, some background information as to how people, before they had an encounter with Jesus, once viewed prayer. And my aim is that we would highlight the contrast of what it was like and then what is presented now to us. And so to help us do that, I want you guys to think of that once viral video that has circulated social media since about 2017. Maybe you've seen it. And for those listening via podcast only, you're only hearing the audio, this video captures Sports fans seeking entrance into a soccer stadium. And a security worker in this video, as if his eyes were x-ray machines and his hands were metal detectors, he very lazily and very carelessly went through the motions of searching fans, or should I say not searching fans, for weapons and other prohibited items. I mean, this guy was just so negligent that he's become the poster boy for a lack of interest or a lack of passion in something. I mean, he obviously, and I've never met the guy, but based on his actions, he didn't value his responsibility to keep people safe and perhaps he didn't value that because he didn't see its purpose and thus he wasn't passionate to do it and so for him screening fans for weapons and other prohibited items it had become this like rote routine that made no difference and i bring this up because a rote routine that makes no difference is similar to how some in the first century once viewed prayer here's what i mean So the Jewish scriptures, our Old Testament teach this, love the Lord, your God, and worship him with all your heart. And so with the best of intentions and with a desire for people like for you and for me to be able to practically live out that teaching, what ancient religious leaders did was they asked the question, well, how do you love and worship God with an intangible concept like your heart? And ultimately where they landed with that interpretation was this. Well, obviously the only way to worship God with something intangible like your heart is through prayer. The collection of Jewish traditions, the Talmud, it records this interpretation this way. It says, which is the service of God that's performed in the heart You must say that this is referring to prayer. And so, in order to ensure that people worshipped God with prayer with all of their hearts so that they could experience the life that God designed for all of us by the first century, these ancient religious leaders, not God, let's be clear about that, these ancient religious leaders made prayer a law that needed to be kept. Prayer became this man-made mandate. And come on, y'all know how certain folks respond and can feel frustrated when certain matters are made mandatory, right? I mean, we see viral videos about this all the time. Now, here's a a glimpse of what Middle Eastern or Eastern Mediterranean folks in the first century, uh, what they were mandated to do. And as I share, all right, I want you guys to put yourself in their shoes, what you would have felt, what they would have felt. And for those of you who, has, who have parents that uh, made you join a club in school, those of you who had parents who made you take confirmation classes, you might be able to identify with this. And so growing up, those folks in the first century, in ancient times, in the Eastern Mediterranean, they were mandated to memorize three different, though, specific prayers, And they were taught so that God would be more inclined to open up his ear to their prayers, that they needed to recite those prayers at the exact same time of day as when the animal sacrifices, the daily animal sacrifices were performed. They were expected to recite those prayers one in the morning, one in the afternoon, one in the evening, every single day. And then oftentimes to further appease God, to make sure that he actually heard their words, Families even paid an extra offering to the temple priests. And in order to increase their chances of being heard, uh, they were taught to face, no matter where they were in the world, they were taught to face the Jewish temple in Jerusalem. And then a couple of times a year, whenever they visited Jerusalem, they were taught to face the Western Wall because it's supposedly closest to where in the temple God's spirit actually dwelt. Now, here's the irony of all of these recitations and all of these rituals. The irony is, despite all of the centuries of people reciting these very specific prayers at very specific times in conjunction with millions, perhaps billions of animals being sacrificed, those very people still grew up poor and oppressed. And the Roman Empire had occupied their land, they were not a free people. And so there was this understanding among that people group in that first century that despite all of their recitations and all of their rituals, there was a chance that their prayers had never, ever been received or heard. And that, that has to be pretty disheartening, right? And so everyone though, they continued to adhere to that prayer mandate, that law for fear that they would be shamed and they would be shunned if they didn't. Now... Okay, you guys having put yourself in those folks' shoes, what might you have felt or what might have you believed about prayer? If for centuries your people recited the same prayers and performed the same rituals, but their circumstances never changed, you were still poor, you were still oppressed, what might you think about prayer's effectiveness? I mean, this is important for us to understand the rest of where we're going. You would likely have a lot of questions and a lot of skepticism about prayer. And I imagine like that stadium security guard, you you would simply go through the motions, mouthing meaningless words. I mean, reciting those daily prayers would be a rote routine that made no difference. You wouldn't be passionate about it. You would be apathetic towards it. And it's partly for these reasons, all right? The reason I bring this up is because when Jesus' disciples saw him and followed him, they observed something very different than what they were accustomed to. What eyewitnesses saw and what they heard about Jesus' prayer life, it was so mind-blowing for them when Luke thoroughly investigated eyewitness testimonies in order to compile his account, the gospel of Luke, that you and I might know with certainty. The truths about what's been taught about Jesus he heard about it over and over so much so like I said earlier a few minutes ago that he is the one out of all the New Testament writers that references prayer more than anybody else and it's the fact that Luke referenced prayer so much and it's what he recorded about it that's partly why I realized whoa Lee dude you've got prayer all wrong you need to recalibrate what you think about it. Now, before I go any further, all right, let's put a pin in what Jesus' disciples observed and what Luke heard about over and over. We're gonna come back to that because nothing else that I say today will matter unless we first get clear about this next statement here. Everything else I say hinges on this. So Jesus claimed that he possessed all power and All authority in heaven and on earth, both physical and spiritual. Jesus also claimed that he was the source and the keeper of all wisdom and all intelligence. And so the reason we at City Tribe place such a huge emphasis on Jesus, the reason we make such a huge deal about him is because we believe that Jesus is the physical, earthly embodiment of the creator of the universe. Jesus essentially said when he walked this earth, I am God revealed in human form. Here's one of the ways he actually said it. He said, All things, all power, all authority, all wisdom, all intelligence, sp- uh, spiritual, physical, all things have been entrusted to me by my Father. I am the embodiment of the attributes of God, the creator of the universe. And no one knows the father, who the father is, except the son, me. I know God very intimately and anyone to whom the son desires to say this next word for me, y'all. Reveal him. Jesus is God revealed in human form. And it's statements Like this. It's because of statements like this that Jesus made all throughout the scriptures that I am convinced that if you want a clear picture of who God is, what He is like, His personality, His preferences, His perspective, you have to study how Jesus revealed Him in human form. I mean, this is why that we often encourage you, especially if you are new to the faith. If you're a spiritual investigator, you're trying to figure out what to believe. We encourage you to immerse yourself in the accounts about Jesus in the gospels. Always be going through one of them. cycle through those gospels. Get to know who Jesus is. And it's because of statements like this that Jesus made that I subscribe to what is called Jesus-centered theology. If you ever want to know why or how we interpret certain scriptures, Jesus-centered theology. It means that everything I believe stems first out of how Jesus himself interpreted the scriptures, what he taught, and what he modeled for us. I bring this up because I said everything else hinges on this part right here, right? If you and I are going to learn about prayer and learn about prayer correctly, we must start with what God himself taught. Make sense? See why I spent so much time there? If you and I are going to learn about prayer so that it is effective so that we learn about prayer correctly, we must start with what Jesus, God himself revealed in human form, taught us. Now let's unpin what Jesus and his disciples, what Jesus's disciples observed and what Luke heard over and over. And so what must've eyewitnesses told Luke over and over about Jesus's prayer life that would have been so mind blowing to those folks in the first century. What did Luke record that helps you and me see what God himself reveals about prayer? Well, first of all, Jesus' disciples would have seen that his prayer life was nothing like those rote recitations that they had grown up hearing and performing that they were accustomed to. Jesus didn't meaninglessly mouth words or go through the motions when praying. Instead of being like that stadium security guard that let people just stroll in very negligently, Jesus likely felt toward prayer what Eric Bird felt toward his job, the dancing Usher. So Eric Bird, he is a local celebrity here in San Antonio, Texas, and Eric views his job as an usher, unlike any other usher might view theirs. He sees it as a joyful, life giving experience. It's an opportunity for him to experience life. And similar to how the dancing usher views his job, Jesus, he was enthusiastic and he was passionate about praying. Jesus, of his own free will and accord, he looked forward to praying not just three times a day that was prescribed by the law, but sometimes he prayed all night long. Luke recorded it this way. He said, during those days, he, Jesus, went out to the mountains to pray, and he spent all night in prayer. You don't spend all night doing something that you're not passionate about. And so one of the reasons that I came to realize that I've completely misunderstood prayer was because if I had understood prayer correctly, or like Jesus understood prayer, I would have been enthusiastic to pray. And I would have viewed prayer as something that's life-giving. See, if you and I understand prayer the way that Jesus understands prayer... We would arrange our entire days around it. We wouldn't just look for opportunities to pray to him like if we're stuck in traffic and Taco Bell hits or something like that. We would seek every possible opportunity and pray as long as possible. The idea of a prayercation wouldn't sound like something super nerdy religious people like Ned Flanders would do. But we would set aside a budget and save up money so we can get away to just pray and be in the presence of God and listen for him, but, you know, my lack of enthusiasm for prayer at that time, it wasn't the only reason I realized that I understood prayer all wrong, and Jesus's enthusiasm for prayer isn't all that his disciples observed, now, to understand what else they observed that blew their minds, right, their first century minds, I want to acquaint you with the open concept, the open concept. It's conveyed all throughout the scriptures, for example, in a book of the Bible titled Job, in which God is having this conversation, insightful conversation with Job. We read, oh, that the Lord would speak and open, there's that concept, open his lips. And when God declared through the prophet Malachi, see if I will not, here's this concept again, open the floodgates of heaven. The open concept in the scriptures, it is surprisingly similar to the open concept in home renovation shows that you watch on HGTV. Anybody else watch like Property Brothers or those, what is the new one on Netflix, that remodeling show? It's so amazing, right? But in those shows, what home renovators will do, they'll tear down walls and they'll break down barriers in between rooms to create a beautiful space which helps residents hear and see each other better. With the open concept in homes, you can expect clearer communication and better engagement. It facilitates conversations. And this imagery of the open concept in homes, it captures how one resource that I use, the Gazinius Hebrew Lexicon, how it defines the open concept in the scriptures. It's defined this way. So to open is translated to speak or Especially after silence, it's to speak. To open is also to cause one to utter words. And to open, when you see it in the scriptures, means to have revealed. Something is revealed. Y'all say that word with me one time. Revealed. That's important. So often when you see this word open in the scriptures, it's associated with God through his spirit, tearing down walls, breaking down barriers to speak and reveal to you and to me his Truths to open is to have revealed and the idea of the creator of the universe, tearing down walls, opening up the heavenly realm to be able to communicate with his creation. Well, to Jesus's first century disciples who were accustomed to something else, that would have been utterly mind-blowing. God would speak. He's not ignoring Our prayers, and yet Luke tells us that the open concept is exactly what Jesus' disciples saw firsthand from Jesus' prayer life. What Luke learned, and what he wanted you to know, what he wanted me to know, and to see was that Jesus' prayers effectively opened up the floodgates of heaven. That is, Luke told us that whatever it was that Jesus did, people distinctly heard God speak to reveal His. Truths. He wrote about it this way, as he, Jesus, was praying, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in the physical appearance like a dove. And what happens when heaven opens? We learned about it in the open concept. God speaks. He declares his truths. He reveals his truth. So a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. But this is just one example of the open concept that Jesus' disciples experienced. Here's another one that Luke recorded. He said, as he, Jesus, was praying, the appearance of his face changed. And his clothes became dazzling white. And then suddenly, two men who had long left the earth for hundreds of years, they were talking with Jesus, both Moses and Elijah. And because heaven had opened and the heavenly realms met, earth they appeared in their glory in their heavenly state. And what happens when heaven opens? God speaks, he reveals his truth. So a voice came from the cloud saying, "This is my son, the chosen one. Listen to him." And so what Luke recorded for us is yet another reason why I realized back in the day that I had co- incorrectly had terrible views of prayer. I incorrectly understood prayer, and if we understood prayer correctly. You and I, we would never question if God ever hears us. We wouldn't question if he's ghosted us or if he ignores us. We would trust that God by his spirit, he removes barriers. He tears down walls to communicate with us, to reveal to us his truths. That is, we would understand that prayer effectively opens the floodgates of heaven and we would live expectantly With our ears open, always ready to receive. And because God would have revealed to us his truths, you and I would walk around with a tremendous assurance about ourselves and about our future. We would walk around with a sense of peace and a sense of power and a sense of passion. Because of the comfort that we have received from our heavenly father speaking to us, you and I, our Once the truths have been revealed, our chains of insecurity, our chains of shame, our chains of fear would all come falling down. We would live with a sense of freedom. And so, seeing the enthusiasm and seeing the effectiveness that Jesus had for prayer, one of his disciples did something that's yet a third reason I realized my understanding of prayer was all Wrong, And what this disciple did, it reminds me of that very iconic scene from that 1980s movie when Harry met Sally. Uh, In this classic scene, the characters Harry and Sally, they're enjoying a meal at a diner. And mid-conversation, Sally puts on this enthusiastic performance, and it got the attention of every patient in that diner, to which one onlooker says a very famous line to her waitress. And y'all might be familiar with this. It's a very pop culture uh, popular line, she said, I'll have what she's having. And Jesus' disciple essentially said to him a very similar line, as if to say, Jesus, I want that same enthusiasm. I'm tired of these rote routines. I'm tired of these meaningless going through the motions of prayer. I want the effectiveness that you have to open up the heavenly realms. And so, this eager to learn disciple said to Jesus, Lord, You teach us to pray. And so, if we understood prayer correctly, like we see with Jesus' disciple, people would be eager to learn from us. They wouldn't look at us like we're nerdy Ned Flanders. They wouldn't put on that Michael Scott grimace. But people like that patron in the diner would say, whoa, man, whatever it is that is helping you experience that peace, whatever it is that's giving you that confidence, whatever it is that is helping you walk in power. I want that. Teach me. And so let's let's summarize really quickly how you and I might know if we need to recalibrate just a little bit our understanding of Prayer. So based on what Luke emphasized and based on what Jesus demonstrated, if you and I got prayer right, if we had a clearer understanding based on what Jesus has shown us, we, first of all, would not think that prayer was a routine. We wouldn't be bored by it or the idea of it wouldn't be something off-putting, but we would be enthusiastic about prayer. We would want to go on prayer Going to prayer meetings would seem fun. If we understood prayer the way Jesus understood it, we would not think it was ineffective. We wouldn't wonder, God, do you ever hear me? Am I just saying empty words? But we would expect that the heavens would effectively open and God would reveal his And thus, we would live with a sense of purpose and passion and peace and power and promise for our futures. And then if we got prayer right and understood it similar to how Jesus understood it, we would not be seen as these nerdy Ned Flanders or people who are not credible, but others would be eager to learn From us? Does this characterize anybody's prayer life? Does this sound like something that anybody wants to experience? My hope is yes. I hear some amens up over here. So let me ask you Is it possible the reason people you know, or even perhaps yourself, the reason why you believe prayers go unanswered is because maybe you weren't ever taught about prayer, or you weren't properly taught about prayer? You just inherited what culture has shaped. Is it possible that the reason you see prayer, maybe like the stadium security guard saw his job, right? A rote routine. You go through the motions. It's not a daily discipline and you see no value in It's because you were misinformed about prayer. Here's a more significant question that we all need to consider. Who is the source of your foundation of understanding for prayer? Because maybe what you learned was just passed on to you by your family members. Again, maybe even culture around you has shaped it. You've seen it in movies or whatever. Maybe you learn about prayer from a favorite author or perhaps a youth group leader or even a preacher like me and not dissing any of those folks. I'm sure everybody was well-intentioned and loves you and cares for you. But just as we saw earlier in our conversation, religious folks, with great intentions for everybody to love God with all of their hearts, they can turn prayer into routines that become meaningless, that we end up just going through the motions, they're ineffective rituals and recitations. And so it's important that you and I regularly hit pause and assess. Do we need to recalibrate what we believe? And in this case, specifically about prayer. You see, I believe That unless what we understand about prayer is rooted in what God revealed in human form, Jesus himself taught, then there is potential for your prayers to be powerless. So if we're going to learn about prayer, why not learn from the one who has all power and all authority, the one who has all wisdom and all intelligence, Why not learn about prayer from the one who countless eyewitnesses said demonstrated an enthusiasm for it and had a proven effectiveness to open heaven with it? If we are going to learn about prayer, it's wisest. I believe that you and I, we learn from God revealed in human form, Jesus. And that's exactly what I plan to thoroughly explore with all of you. So let me show you guys some behind the scenes planning, all right? With a Team of prayer warriors, some from City Tribe's own prayer team, we've mapped out many facets of prayer that we plan to explore as a tribe together over an undefined period of time. For example, in this series specifically, it's a four-week series that we are calling Revealed, a reference to how when God opens up heaven, he reveals his truth. In this four-week series, we're going to explore the whys about prayer, why you can be motivated, and hopefully after these four weeks, you'll say, man, I really want to redefine, recalibrate my prayer life, and then in a future series, I don't know when yet, but we're going to explore some of the hows to effectively pray based on what Jesus himself taught so that God speaks and reveals his Truth, And then again, in a future series, we don't know yet when, but we're going to explore some of the what's to effectively pray based on what Jesus taught. So God opens up the floodgates of heaven and pours out his spirit. So you experience that peace, that power, that confidence, that assurance. Our plan is to exhaust every facet of prayer as long as it takes for you to have a prayer life that's characterized similar to what we just saw with Jesus, where you're enthusiastic, you're expectant, you believe it's effective, and other people are eager to learn from you. So here's what this means. If your prayer life is lackluster, maybe it's non-existent, maybe you have given up altogether believing that prayer is effective, it might require that you honestly assess what you believe and who you learned about prayer from. I'm asking you to commit to deconstructing and reconstructing your beliefs about prayer and rebuilding it based upon what Jesus taught. And let me tell you for me. All right, there I've been in ministry now almost a decade and there are a lot of things I'm having to unlearn. There are a lot of habits and tendencies that I have and things that I just naturally say and I'm like, "Why am I saying this? Why am I None of this has any power. None of this is rooted in the scriptures. It's all tradition." And so, I'm asking you to go on this journey with us. And To help you with this journey, I'm inviting you to a couple of upcoming gatherings. So you heard Pastor Doug introduce this, but we're going to offer a Jesus 101 gathering where you'll learn more about why you can have certainty that Jesus is God, why he existed, why you can trust that he was raised from the dead. If you are somebody who's new to the faith, if you're a skeptic, come to Jesus 101. And then we're going to have a prayer 101 where you're going to learn more about what Jesus himself said we should pray. Now you can get more info at citytribe.church slash events, but ultimately, here's what I'm asking y'all to do. Every single one of us, no matter where you are in your faith journey, I want us to just pause and say what Jesus's disciples said, Lord, you teach us to pray. And if you stick with us on this journey, if what you and I understand about prayer is rooted in what Jesus, God revealed in human form, himself taught, here's what I am persuaded. I am convinced that you will experience. I believe we'll all experience what Jesus' disciple Peter eventually experienced when he prayed based on what Jesus taught. Just like it did for Jesus, heaven for Peter opened and God revealed to him a truth that forever transformed his life. It transformed our faith tradition as we know it. It transformed the world. Now more about that in the future, but here's how Luke recorded it. Peter went up to pray of his own free will on the roof about noon and he saw heaven open. There's that running theme about praying and heaven opening. And what happens when heaven opens? God speaks. So a voice spoke to him. I am convinced you will experience just the same. But I'm also convinced that what we understand about prayer is rooted in Jesus and what he taught. We will have an experience like city tribe prayer leader Will. Listen to Will share his experience.
1: Sometimes when we pray, it just seems like an ordinary day. And then there are times where we can all feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, like it's just very evident that we're all in tune, Uh, and that can be an exciting thing sometimes. It's uh, almost adrenalizing. I think my biggest jump in growth uh, came when I really started to focus on the listening part of prayer, Uh, because I used to start per off talking and then when I stopped talking I'd open my eyes and move on and it's kind of like having a one-sided conversation with a person that's not a deep relationship and then when I started hearing him respond uh, I was like whoa that that was not my mind putting words you know out there and confuse it like the stuff I've heard and that I've written down and I've gone back to read I was like yeah that that was not me I would not have come up with that in addition to uh, listening uh, for what God has to say. I've asked God to give me another you know, vision of God's personality, of who God is, because the top theologians in the world will get to the end of their life and only know a sliver of who God is. And there's so many ways that God can relate to us, and so many things that God can be to us. And so I started praying uh, for images of what, uh, you know, of who God is. And one of them, I saw Jesus sitting down with his legs crossed, and I had my head in his lap, and he was petting my head, and it was just a very nurturing thing, and that's not a typical thing for me to think about. Then there was another time where i prayed for another uh vision of who he was and i was there was a bookcase a wooden bookcase uh, that was a staircase at the same time and he was sitting on one of the upper stairs and it was like a shorter haired jesus and there was a window behind him with the light coming and he was like an older brother mentoring me and i thought wow you know you think of the father but you know you you know there's a brotherly relationship that people can have that uh, brings people close together and uh, there was a time where I prayed again and I saw God in a small boat at night going on real dark water and it had one of those lamps on it and he was looking around and you could see under the water just all these dark figures uh, just swimming around and uh, you know I was under the water And he jumped in and dove in and picked me up and put me in the boat and then started rowing back. And uh, just one after another, all these different visions of God giving me a bigger vision of the pie. And uh, I just felt like every time I would see one of those, I would get a little closer. And so whenever I remember, I ask for another vision.
0: if you've ever met will he is like the most chill most peaceful most gentle awesome person that you can encounter and part of the reason is just his encounter with jesus through prayer right and so will is now enthusiastic about prayer so much so that he volunteers as one of our prayer leaders And because he's enthusiastic about it, I mean, he lives expectantly knowing that God is going to speak to him. It's why he is so peaceful and so chill and so assured. He knows that it is effective. And hopefully after hearing his story, you guys will be eager to learn because, you know, no disrespect to Will, he is no more special than any one of us in here. I want you to experience What Jesus demonstrated, what Peter experienced, what Will experience, because it will change everything. So here's what we're going to do right now in this moment. I said the one thing I'm asking all of us to do, the big idea, if you're going to take anything away or internalize anything, is just making that statement that Jesus' disciple made. Lord, teach us to pray. We want to learn from God revealed in human form. And so in this time right here of reflection and response, no matter if you're watching or just listening, you guys here in the Cameo Theater, Gideon and Natalie, they're going to just create a space for you to have that time of just listening and saying, Lord, you teach me. So if you would, however you feel comfortable, maybe you want to get on your knees, maybe you want to just hold your hands out, stay in your chairs, whatever. If you're in your living room, you want to do something similar, let's just hold out our hands and let's just say, Lord, teach me to pray. Show me your glory. and so we trust in you and like your disciples requested we ask that you teach us to pray that we would see your greatness and your goodness that we would see your glory and just become an Enthusiastic about prayer like you demonstrated, that we would be expectant and live with confidence and assurance that chains would fall and that fear would bow, Lord. And we just pray that when people look at us, they would be eager to learn saying, I want what that person has. And so teach us. We pray this in your name. And everyone who agreed said, Amen. What a sweet time of just reflection. Thank you guys for leading us in that. Hey, if you guys need to continue the conversation, you want to connect with somebody, our prayer team is ready and available digitally to connect with you. so just go to citytribe.church/prayer. Even you here in the cameo theater. And uh, next week we're going to continue the conversation exploring the facets of prayer. and we're going to ask the question, why can I be motivated to pray? Why should I be motivated? to pray. What's that all about? Now, until then, brothers and sisters, would you go ahead and stand up? No matter where you are, I'm going to speak a benediction over you all. And so as you go, may you all live just saying, Jesus, you teach me to pray. And as he shows you, my prayer is that you would live and pray enthusiastically, that you would live expectantly, knowing that it's going to effectively open heaven. He will speak to you and that other people would be eager to learn from you all and say, I want whatever it is that y'all got. And so I love you guys. God bless you. We'll see you next week. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.